Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, Father, Son. Amen. Let's begin this morning in Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. And here we hear a story about Jesus, a Pharisee, and a woman. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to dinner, and he went, and he went to the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and uh, standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and to wipe them with the hair of her head, kiss his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, uh, who had invited him, saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would have known what kind of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus then, of course, knowing the thoughts of Simon, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, what is it, master? And he says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now which of them will love him the more? Which Which of them will love him the more? The one to whom he forgave more, said Simon. And Jesus says, you've answered right. Do you see this woman? Uh, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. And this is made evident because she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at table with Jesus began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Today, I'd like to bring with you two those same words that they may be yours from our Lord Jesus. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. I want to talk today with you about forgiveness because I think many of us wrestle, even though we know that we're forgiven, if I were to give you a test and you were to answer true or false, yes, okay, I'm forgiven. Many of us, though, wrestle with whether we can really feel assured of forgiveness from God. And if we don't really feel great forgiveness from God, we are not as inclined to forgive others their trespasses against us. And what I'd like to do today is to bring these words of Jesus to you. Jesus would like to bring them to you through me, saying again to you, go your way. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. So let's talk today about forgiveness and what do we learn about it from Scripture. What would God say to us? Well, the first thing God would speak to us about forgiveness is why is forgiveness really so necessary after all? You know what? The whole of Scripture is really simply about God's urgent, zealous mission to work forgiveness into this broken world. And let's learn why in Isaiah chapter 59. God says through Isaiah, Behold, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation 
between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, face from you, so that he does not hear. What is God teaching us through these verses about sin, its power, its effects, its character? Sin breaks relationships between people. It breaks our relationship with God. It breaks our relationship with each other. Again, God says, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you so that he does not hear. And so why is forgiveness necessary? Because sin has the power. That is, when we hurt each other, when we break God's laws, we break our relationship with him, we break our relationship with each other, we hurt each other. And sin has these kinds of disastrous effects. Look at what happens with these dominoes, right? Which I was waiting very carefully, bated breath that they not fall before the message, but if one person sins and hurts another, our immediate knee-jerk reaction is to hurt back, right? Think of how this works in marriages. You know that uh, statistic, statistic, it's easy for me to say, of marriages, now 50% of them now end in divorce. Why? Because of sin. It causes a separation. The husband hurts the wife. The wife hurts the husband. Unless that chain of events, that domino effect is interrupted, it will cause a rift and a separation in the relationship and ultimately will end in divorce or the death of the relationship, symbolized by the domino falling off the altar into the bowl. It leads to death if it's not cured. Have you known parents who've not talked to their children or children who've not talked to their parents for years and years? It was some sin in the past that cut deeply and was never forgiven. What causes divisions among friends and ends friendships? Or between nations and what causes wars? What causes fightings among the races? And what even causes divisions and separations among and within churches? It's sin. Working out its poisonous, disastrous effects. And you've got to know this first off today. The necessity of forgiveness is because sin, its nature is to divide you. It's like Julius Caesar. It comes against you saying, divide and conquer. If I can get a wedge in between these two people or between these people and their God and cause them to sin, it will ultimately lead to separation. What God wants is to bring healing, bringing relationships back together. You know, Christianity is not a religion or a set of rules. It's a relationship with God made peaceful by Jesus Christ. But the world doesn't work this way. The world is usually, I don't forgive. I knew a man just a few weeks, a few months ago, not of this congregation. I was talking with him about forgiveness from God and Christ. He kind of liked that. But then I said, now we also ought to forgive one another in the same way God commands us. He didn't like that. He said, when I was getting divorced I was so angry against my wife, it made me powerful. I loved it. He said, it made me clear-headed. I felt no pain, no remorse. I never went through any stages of grief. I just ended it, and it was over. Grudges make me strong. And I warned him, I said, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you yours, as Jesus said. 
Is that a stern warning or what? Right? But the world is like this. A man comes to a little boy sitting on a park bench. I don't know if you've heard this. And the boy sitting there with a red flushed face in great pain and agony. And the man, old man goes to him, why are you sitting there, boy, all in pain? He says, because I'm sitting on a bee and it's stinging me. And he says, well, then, if you're in pain and the bee's stinging you, why don't you get up and go away and run away? He says, because at least here I have the satisfaction I'm probably causing the bee more pain than it's causing me. <laughs> grudges. Are you holding any grudges today? Is there anybody in your life that you've not forgiven? Well, God wants to work healing in the relationship. And even if that other person never turns and does what's right, you know, you may need to have a separation and a boundary there, but forgiveness heals you. If you go around carrying a grudge and an unforgiveness in you, it mars and damages in a devastating way your relationship with God, and it also works itself out in many problems for your body, your life, and your soul. That's why God's so urgent about forgiveness. And this is who our God is. Do you believe today that our God is a forgiving God? You may be wondering today because you can say, yes, he is, but I don't often feel forgiven. Or I, I fall so short of his glory all the time. I just feel like I'm a big jerk. And how could God forgive or love me? Well, let's talk about forgiveness then from God. And what is forgiveness? Webster's Dictionary says to forgive is to give up your claim for payment from someone who has wronged you. All right, okay. I would say it's something like this. It's to give up my right to hurt you because you've hurt me. Don't you all experience this kind of thing? You're driving on the highway. Someone cuts you off. He gives you a bad, you know, signal. You might feel like you want to give him a bad signal back. But forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you because you've hurt me. And why? For the sake of love, for the sake of Christ, to have the miracle of a new beginning in the relationship. Or, if that other person does not repent, at least to have healing and peace in your souls and with God. Does forgiveness mean to forgive and forget? Well, it's not like you forget the pain. And it's not like you invalidate it and say, Ah, forget it. You hurt me long ago. You did, you know... Uh, you, you know, you molested me as a child, and I was beat up, and uh, I had a terrible life, but uh, I was nothing. Forget it. Is that what forgiveness is? No way. Forgiveness is acknowledging the pain and validating it and actually seeing how big and terrible it was, but then, for the sake of Christ, saying, but I forgive you because Christ forgave me. I want to practice the same mercy toward you as God did to me. And this is a great way whenever you're feeling like it's hard to forgive someone. You know, you have a right to be angry, if you will. But nevertheless, think about what God has done for you. If, say, for example, someone molested you. That's a terrible thing and requires a judgment. However, how in what ways have we done similar things toward God and our faith by turning aside from him? How about if someone lies to you? Should you forgive him? Well, haven't you lied to God? And how did he behave toward you? He forgave you. Well, how about if uh, 
If you've been just plain nasty, someone's been nasty toward you, well, haven't you been nasty to God? Always go back to the cross is what I'm saying. And look at how God has behaved toward you in love. And then go practice that same kind of love with each other. Because this is what it is to live by grace. And God is so earnest about that. He's not just some big ethereal couch potato saying, love, peace, you know, forgive, live and let live kind of guy. He is the majestic, awesome God, earnestly hating sin and earnestly wanting to bring relationships back together. Yours with him and yours with each other. And that's why he gave us this ministry. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know how crazy it is to me sometimes to think that I'm up here preaching? I mean, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things in my life. Why would God put his precious treasures in a jar of clay like me? Well, I believe one of those reasons that God preaches his word through sinful human beings is because he desires not only for you to hear forgiveness and have it with him, but also for us to have the ministry of reconciliation with each other. So that as a cross, we're not only healed vertically with God, but also horizontally with each other. And are you sure of the forgiveness that you have from God today? These words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. God is speaking to you today through me. If you confess your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus, and let me convince you as to why your sins really can be forgiven, as terrible as you think they are, and as terrible as they are. Look at Mark chapter 2. We hear, it says, uh, when he returned to Capernaum after many days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered and were coming. And they came bringing a paralytic carried by four men because it was crowded. And when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let down the paralytic on a pallet into the midst of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now, the Pharisees, the scribes, were sitting there, questioned in their hearts and said, What does this man, why does this man speak thus? It's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his heart spirit that they questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, right, uh, Your sins are forgiven? Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet and go home. And he rose immediately and took up his pallet and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. My friends, God, Jesus Christ, has been given the authority to forgive your sins the authority, and the right to do so. Therefore, you may be sure, and you also may be sure because he has the desire to forgive your sins. Haven't you heard in First uh, Isaiah chapter 1? Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Come now, let us reason together. God could have 
just return hurt for hurt and destroy them. This is not our God. Do you believe that today? That our God is a forgiving God. And he says, he'll not always chide, Psalm 103, nor will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do you understand that today? The love of God. Do you believe it? Are you certain? Because his desire was to forgive people like this sinner. He said to her that we read earlier, he said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And he said to the woman with the flow of blood, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He said to the Samaritan who had leprosy, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And to the woman caught in the act of adultery. You can't get out of that one. She was caught in the act of adultery. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin again. Can you hear that word, not just from me today, but actually from the Lord? Let me say it again. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin again. Isn't that beautiful? He has the authority to do it. He has the desire to do it. He has the right and privilege and power to do it because he died for our sins on the cross. Remember, what did he say on the cross? You tell me. Last words of Jesus. They're killing him. They're murdering him. They're crucifying him. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Understand the compassion of your God. How earnestly desires you to live in peace I mean, if you're constantly going around after being saved as a Christian saying, I wonder if God has forgiven me. I wonder if God has forgiven me. I better confess again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, as often as you sin, confess your sin, but then go in peace. Stop just not taking that in. And I'm guilty of that too, all right? But we got to just let the words of Christ sink in. He's died for your sins. He has the authority to forgive your sins. He has the heart to forgive your sins. He has the power to forgive your sins. And he says, go your way in peace. Your sins are forgiven. And Paul testifies, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of God's grace, which he lavished upon us. Can you imagine God taking a big bowl or a cast iron uh, uh, whatever and just pouring out grace upon you from heaven? This is what he's done for you in Christ. This is what he wants you to live in. He doesn't want his Christian people to be more miserable than the world. (laughs) All right? He wants his people going out forgiven and rejoicing and thanking God. That's why Jesus said to his disciples at the very end, uh, when he was raised from the dead, thus it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That's the content of our preaching. Repent and hear the forgiveness. You are forgiven. God in heaven, whom you cannot see, who made you, has forgiven you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Are you going in peace? Is it sunken in yet? Well, even if it is still lingering there, some shadows of doubt, God has not left you uh, barren. He has given you 
this also. He's given his authority to the church on earth to forgive sins or to retain them. And where is this written? In John chapter 20. On the day that Jesus actually, uh, yeah, on the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them said, Peace be with you. And then he showed them his hands on his side. The disciples were glad. And he says, Peace be with you. Receive, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Notice that again. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In other words, God has given his authority to the church. Not to forgive or retain sins apart from the gospel, But I have the authority, as do all Christians, to speak to one another this word of grace, saying, you have confessed your sins. You've believed and called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, God has given me the authority, as his ambassador, to declare to you, your sins are forgiven you. Go in peace. I have that authority. So do you. God gave it to the church. Use it. That's why James also says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. God wants you healed today. Husbands and wives, have you fought with each other at all recently? Confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and pronounce with the authority given the church, you've confessed your sins, my love. I confess mine to you. You've believed in Christ. Your sins are forgiven you. Let's go in peace. God has given this authority that you might be strong in faith. And finally, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. If God has forgiven us vertically through his cross, we also ought to forgive each other and are commanded to do so horizontally with each other. Therefore, I'd like to conclude with this story of Corey Ten Boom I shared with you some years ago. She was... From Holland in World War II, she was captured by the Nazi SS and taken away to a German prison camp. She got out by a paperwork error one week prior to being killed, but her sister Betsy was tormented and later died. Imagine her pain, her anguish, her anger and desire to avenge herself on these villains. One night, when she was preaching forgiveness of sins in Christ in Europe, a former guard from that prison camp came up to her one that she remembered tormenting her with cruelty and with his evil laughter, mocking at her sister's torment. But now he came extending his hand to her, asking, please forgive me. And she said, and I quote her words, I just stood there, I whose sins again and again had to be forgiven, and I could not forgive. My sister Betsy had died in that place. And now could he erase the guilt of her sins simply by the asking? It could have been many seconds could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out to me. It seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had to do. I had to forgive. I knew that. Uh, But I felt a coldness clutching my heart. I said to myself, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart, Corey. Help God, I prayed silently. I can lift up my hand to this man, God. I can do at least that much. You supply the feeling, Lord. Woodenly and mechanically, I lifted up my, thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. 
And as I did, I felt a current start in my shoulder, race down my arm, and spring into our joined hands. Then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole body, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. With all my heart, I forgive you. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did at that moment. This healing is for you. God wants you healed with him and with each other. And this comes only through the power of forgiveness. Heavenly Father, we confess our sins before you. We call on the name of Jesus Christ. And we forgive all those who sinned against us. And now I, by the authority invested in me as a Christian and as a pastor, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, rise, go your way. Your sins forgiven, go in peace. Amen.